and now Nick Gruen and the NDIS, which is much more far-reaching than a lot of people believe. Nicholas Gruen, uh, the government's about to implement the uh, NDIS and there's been inquiry into it. What's your view about it? Uh, well, they're claiming to be implementing it. They've been working on it for a while. Uh, I, I kind of always thought, I put it in a category which was something that I had a sort of a summary view of, which was it must be a good thing because uh, we're spending money on some of the people in our society who need it most, and that makes sense. It makes economic sense. If you think of money as a means to an end, that end is a better life for us all, and if you can take a bit of money off people who don't need it very much and get it to people who really do, then that's uh, an efficiency gain in my book. So that was an in-principle view I had before I looked at the scheme. I've been involved in the NDIS now, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, through my chairmanship of TAXI, the Australian Centre for Social Innovation, and we've done some fairly substantial consulting to them and looking at the way in which they're building their service systems and so on. And so I thought I'd better learn more about this. And I went and read the original Productivity Commission, which was an important part of the process of getting to where we are. And I must say, I'm often not all that impressed with uh, commission reports because they're not very, um, they're pretty preoccupied with their own consistency with past reports, I suppose, which sometimes makes it hard to think new thoughts and to explore new terrain. But I was just incredibly impressed with this report. It was my idea of what economics should be about, which is simple, powerful. Uh, the ideas in economics are very simple. That's both a feature. It's also a bug when people misuse them. But uh, I thought the way the, uh, in, oh, the way the report wrote these issues up including the point that I've just made, that money is a means to an end, it isn't the end of economic activity, was uh, really very impressive. There have been some criticisms of the way it's uh, done, like uh, certain people are saying there are inconsistencies, some are saying they're not getting uh, the right sort of care when others in similar circumstances aren't are getting it. Yeah, so I, I'm glad I'm not a politician <laughs> because a politician has to answer that sort of question with, well... You know, it's all with a kind of a cliche, which is, you know, that, that's been a problem. We're solving that problem. I expect the sort of thing you've just said will be sayable, not just throughout the implementation of the, of the scheme, but forever. Uh, it will involve the expenditure of, uh, I think it's currently budgeted at $22 billion a year. And, and some people say it should be being budgeted at $25 billion a year. And if there aren't snafus, if there aren't issues like that, well, I'll be pretty surprised. The question is, can we roll out on that scale a scheme on that scale, which is nevertheless focused mostly on the interests and perspectives of the people it's supposed to be helping, the disabled rather than the professionals who deliver the scheme, uh, the bureaucrats who administer the scheme. That's the real test. And at least, I mean, all I'll say is the whole way it's been set up is to try and do that. Will it, will it do it as well as it w I'd like? No, it won't. We're trying for something much better and as is, the, as is the, the norm in those circumstances, there will no doubt be things people can point to that are disappointing, unfair and all the rest of it. But it, I'm pretty confident it's got to be a lot better than what we've got now.
There are major concerns. I mean, um, Queensland, for example, is slowing down the NDIS rollout because the funding is falling short. Yes, and it might be the case that it's a good thing to slow down the rollout. Uh, As somebody pretty senior in the NDIS said to me, we're trying to do a 10-year project in three years. And and I'm not really presenting myself as an expert on the detail. I'm not. And as I say, you you won't be able to surprise me with any story about some bad thing that's happening. And it, you know, we also have to keep in mind that maybe this is a big adventure that's a big, you know, just a big disaster. I don't think it will be, but simply being able to point out some things, indeed some big things don't look very good. Well, there are two questions about that. One is, do they look better than they did? So that would be a good thing. And how much better can we make them? And I'm sure we can make some things uh, better. This is a, we're, we're rolling this thing out at breakneck speed. I'm not sure we should really be going that fast. But when you put a politician in front of an idea uh, and they want to go for it, they want to do it quickly. And And again, if the way we debate these things is rational rather than the way we debated, for instance, the fiscal stimulus, where we pointed to all sorts of problems and then said, therefore, it's a disaster when it was nothing of the kind, when it was a major advance, a fantastic policy with a whole lot of bugs in it, which was entirely to be expected in the case of the fiscal stimulus because it had to be done quickly. And in this case... It is being done quickly. You can argue it shouldn't be done that quickly, but if you were disabled, I don't think you would say that. So it will be done. It will be done with plenty of things will go wrong or arguably wrong, and we will need to... One thing we really do need to do is to be able to build it in a way that we can admit issues, admit mistakes, admit problems and fix them up as quickly as we can. If we, I'm not sure that we'll do that. We'll see. Time will tell. One of the key issues at the moment is the fight with the states over the sharing, the cost of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Issues of, I mean, how much, how much does states pay? You know, it's a, it's a 60-40 split with the federal government. How do you see that tracking? Well, it's tracking the way those kinds of things track. What do you expect the Commonwealth to argue and what do you expect the states to argue? It's it's a negotiation. Uh, everyone's got pressure on them. The politicians have got political pressure on them to do it, and they'd rather somebody else paid for it. Um, so it's tracking the way you would expect it to track. Australian voters won't really be that keen to be interested in excuses, but, but uh, any politician, any bureaucrat, if they can get somebody else to pay for something, they will. Um, and that's you know, it's not a not a pretty process, but that's it's it's a healthy process. We we have a we have a federation, and all, uh, as messy as it is, the evidence suggests that this kind of arrangement and this kind of messiness is better than a unitary state where somebody sits in the centre and orders everybody else around. Now, now this the scheme's going to be there's going to be a massive expansion. Uh, I think from uh, July the first, I think sixty five thousand people are, are joining the scheme. In the coming financial year, that's going to give it an overall coverage of 100,000 people. Do we have enough funding for it? I don't know the answer to your question. There is debate about that. In a sense, if we don't have enough funding for it, we make the, we write a cheque and we end up with the funding for it. The much more important question is, is the workforce, and I'll come back to that question about what the workforce should be, 
is the workforce up to it? Do we have, uh, you know, this is the, the pink bats problem. And I'm not referring so much to the four people who died in the roofs as the way in which prices went through the roof. So that's a big challenge. Um, I don't know enough to tell you what I think about how that's going to be met. But one thing I do think is important to think about, again, it goes back to my point about how the people who set these systems up, the people who deliver the systems, the professionals and the bureaucrats have this way of making it all about them and not all about the people they're trying to help. And I think one of the major ways that we could address those inflationary issues and cost issues is to think much more about the extent to which we could use peer-to-peer -peer services. Uh, so the, the, uh, particularly, this is well known in mental health, that, that uh, mental health services delivered by peers tend to be, and this is a large generalization, which would be different in different areas, but the uh, peer-delivered peer services tend to be as efficacious but cheaper than professionally delivered services. I actually think the true picture would be even more favourable to peer-to-peer -peer services because most peer-to-peer -peer services are not run with the same degree of thoughtfulness, intentionality and funding as professional services. And that's one of the things that at the Australian Centre of Social Innovation, we've done in the area, of, for instance, of family services. We've set up peer-to-peer -peer mentoring services for troubled families. And my view of that is that if you're a troubled family, you're going to, you, it's going to do you a huge amount more benefit to get services from a well-trained but, uh, but peer family compared with a professional. After all, with a peer family, a mentoring family, a lot of the things you need to learn are things that you need to be shown, not told. And the things you need to learn emotionally, you're not going to be learn at all by being told them. You already know most of the things that you're supposed to do, you know, not have a problem gambling or not whack your wife if you get frustrated with her or whatever. And if people are going to change, the best chance you give them is not tell them uh, how to change, but to show them how to change. And you do that through an empathic bond, through somebody else who, to quote Bill Clinton's uh, words, feels your pain. Somebody who is like you and someone who can really bond with you and help you through those difficult times. Uh, so I think that's something which we really have barely thought about and which would uh, be could, could be an important avenue for the NDIS to address its own cost inflation issues, but also more powerfully uh, deliver uh, services, more efficacious, not just cheaper services, but actually more efficacious services, services that work better. Well, that's going to be quite a challenge. Uh, Nick Loon, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Leon.